This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 9, Episode 9, Through Salt and Fire. Uh, we don't have any words with the GM for you this week about Series 9, Episode 8, The Devil You Know, primarily because it is the holiday season and it turns out we are real life humans that uh, let things get in the way sometimes. Yeah, and we appreciate your patience with us releasing this on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday. We hope you guys had a great holiday season, whatever you may celebrate, and uh, hope you enjoy this next episode because I know we enjoyed making it. So without further ado, let's move on in to Series 9, Episode 9, Through Salt and Fire. Enjoy! Greetings, I'm Clayton Sawyer. You may not have heard of me, but I'm one of the best bounty hunters in the Badlands. I got a few advantages, you see. First is sugar, Maache, and even though I only found her a few years back, my best friend. She was the runner for a herd and probably couldn't keep up and was cast out, and I know how that feels. So me and her bonded, and she grew up right with me stepping in as her daddy. The second edge I got, hunting bounties, is that I'm illuminated, and my abilities grant me an advantage that most of the nastiest outlaws ever got bounty can't compete with. The thing about being illuminated is that those same abilities that give me all those powers and advantages are also unsubtle to most folk. They can understand a gun or a knife, but they can't quite figure the threat someone like me might be to them. That's why me and Shug are always moving, hunting, and on to the next bounty, leaving people behind before they can make us get. One day, me and Shug are going to pull in a big bounty, and we'll make enough to settle into our own homestead where we can be ourselves and ain't nobody gonna try to drive us away again. We'll wrestle cattle, do some farming, and live a quiet life on our own little slice of the Badlands. Howdy, folks. Name's Roy Hampton. Now I know what you're thinking. How did such a dashing young man come to be robbing you today? Well, you get to handing over your spurs, and I'll tell you what's what. I grew up in a factory town with my mamas Helen and Kate. Helen was a kind, quiet lady, kept her head down to raise me best as she could. But Mama Kate, she was the kind of woman who couldn't help but stand up for us, even when we weren't asking. In the city, there's two kinds of folks, the family and people paying the family. And Mama Kate wasn't about to be either. Problem is, when you're standing up to a planetary crime syndicate, you and yours are liable to end up in the dirt. So when the Jimmies came to our home, my mamas held him off long enough for me to escape. After that, thieving wasn't a choice. It was survival. Now, miss, you ain't gonna get to that holdout before I loose this arrow. Just sit tight. We're almost through. See, turns out I got a knack for this life. Key is to always have the advantage. Never pick a fair fight. Second trick is to rob folks that can afford to lose it. And there ain't nobody richer than the family. There was a time I was hitting the family so hard I was taking enough spurs to live like a king. Trouble is, family ain't inclined to let robbery of that magnitude slide, hence the 800 spur bounty on my head. Now I know y'all are feeling a few spurs short, but look on the bright side. Next time you throw a fancy shindig, you can tell the story of the time you were robbed by Roy Hampton, legendary outlaw. Y'all have a nice day now. Charles Farthing, the pleasure's all mine, like. As you might have guessed, I come for money, but I'm not above slumlet with the upper middle class. I work a trade. I'm a barber. Clean cut, close shave, replace a limb or two, that last one's my speciality. Prosthetics, best side of Iron Harbour. And the other side of Iron Harbour, also within the city limits of Iron Harbour. <laughs> well, have a look. My handiwork's my pride and joy. My left side, the foreleg, arm, my left eye, no accident, improvements. The human body's wonderful, but imperfect-like. We're at a point in history where it's our own flesh and blood holding us back. That's why I've made it my life's work, to develop the finest in form, function, and fashion. 
That's all on hold for the moment, though. First, I need to find and recover an item stolen from my own home at a recent exhibition. To steal from a man of my genius. The audacity. It's unforgivable. Uh, blather, what'll it be? I'll have you looking your best in no time, or my name isn't Giles Farthing. Which it is. Giles Far. I just told you, like. My name is Juliet Hunt, and I've been a drifter nearly my whole life. My parents were killed by bandits when I was far too young. I only survived because a gunslinger named Avery came along and rescued me. Being that I was an orphan, he took me under his wing and taught me to shoot like him. Passed on the craft, like a father to a daughter. After Avery died, I drifted alone for a time, until happenstance brought me to Cyrus Finch. He's loud, flashy, full of cockamamie ideas, and occasionally a criminal. And I, I ain't any of those things. We ended up drifting together a long while and gotten to mourn a few situations we never saw coming, including getting hitched. Like all drifters that live past their prime, we eventually hung up our irons and we settled down in a nice little town in the Badlands. Now, I ain't so retired that I won't oblige somebody who's in desperate need of a bullet. And Cyrus has to sate his itch to run a grift from time to time. But by our standards, it's a quiet kind of life. For a long while, it was a pleasant life. Until Cyrus up and disappeared without a word. Now, he ain't the most communicative individual. But I just got this gut feeling that something ain't right. And Avery taught me better than to ignore my gut. So I've closed up shop, took up my irons, and set out drifting again. My Cyrus is out there somewhere, and I'm gonna find him. And when I do, oh boy, he better be in need of saving. Otherwise, he's in trouble. The last time we left our drifters, they had met with Pepe Dantoro, an extremely well-connected man who makes a habit of knowing everybody's secrets. Pepe asked Giles Farthing to do a favor for him in exchange for information that Giles was looking for, the location of some stolen property. Giles hired Juliet, Roy, and Clayton to assist in the recovery of his property in exchange for convincing Pepe to also assist Juliet by looking into the whereabouts of her husband, Cyrus Finch. The favor for Pepe consisted of going out into the salt flats to meet with a remnant group of proto-martyrs, a cult that had nearly been wiped out 15 years ago during the proto-martyr crisis in the Badlands. They are extremely well-equipped with high-tech weaponry and armor. Their philosophy consists of burning away the unworthy from manifest so that they may rebuild a better world out of the ashes. Uh, Our four drifters met with the proto-martyrs, paid them for some explosives, and then let them leave with the intention of tracking them later. The four of you stand now in the salt flats. It is uh, a little, uh, it's about midway through the afternoon. Uh, The proto-martyrs on their hover bike and jetpacks have disappeared over the horizon. And you stand there uh, with a crate uh, full of breaching charges and incendiary grenades. What do you do? I guess we'll uh, call Roy to come on back over as uh, we don't need him in his sniper's perch anymore. I send uh, Suge on over to pick him up. Uh, so yeah, Roy, you kind of stand up dusting yourself off. Your photo replicant poncho returns to the uh, elegant pattern stitched into it uh, by Giles Farthing and uh, Sugar zooms up to you, uh, kicking up dust and sand as she does, stands in front of you so you can climb on and return to your party hastily. Uh, first things first, I will give Clayton back this rifle as guns weirding me out. I, uh, take it back and put it in my pack. So, uh, what's the plan, y'all? Well, I say we go track them and, uh, once we find where they are, get a better idea of what we're dealing with. I think we can make a better plan from there. Well, all right, then. That's kind of all you, Clayton. I ain't an outdoors person. Judging by Giles, I'm going to guess he ain't an outdoors person. Juliet has never expressed a tremendous interest in tracking. So I'm I'm also kind of guessing there, but it's a little bit more based in observation. So, like, what do you see? Well, I guess I'll 
start picking up tracks. Uh, yeah, you guys can hop on the motorcycle and the Ache and go a ways south, uh, strapping the uh, crate full of grenades on the back of the motorcycle, I assume. And you go a little ways, and, you know, at least as far as you saw them before they disappeared over the horizon. And uh, yeah, you can go ahead and roll a survival check uh, to track Clayton. Um, however, with them being on a hover bike and motorcycles over the salt flats, it's kind of hard to pick up a trail. Uh, so you can roll this at a minus six. I will play to the gallery. Two successes. Okay. Uh, you guys get a little ways and then you have to kind of slow down for a little bit for Clayton to kind of suss out where the trail is. And then he finally picks it up and you guys, uh, continue on your way again. Every once in a while, Clayton has to stop and like repick up the trail because it's just very subtle, like motions, like, and, and the longer, the longer it takes, the harder it gets because like what little bit of displacement, the salt particles might have from the hover bike overhead, uh, uh, gets kind of messed up as like the, as the wind is howling around. So you continue a little ways longer, a little ways longer. The sun gets kind of close to setting and, uh, Clayton, you feel like you've done pretty well so far until the trail suddenly goes cold. You think you might pick it up for a little while. So you travel around for a little bit, you kind of cycle back around and you think that perhaps they like did some zigzags or, uh, looped back around or did, did something in order to, uh, to mask their trail. And so you, you feel like you're in like probably the right region, uh, but they either took steps to make it so you couldn't follow this trail all the way back to their facility or just the time it took you to get this far, uh, made it so that you couldn't find the subtle hints of where the trail goes from here. I would like to use my Pinkerton talent. Okay. Uh, that is three hits. Uh, so you kind of perch up on the motorcycle, looking around, and what are your three questions? Are there any threats we haven't identified yet? There, were, there have been a couple wassets here and there, but keeping an eye out for them, Clayton can can avoid them. And there's not any that are even particularly close to where you are right now. All right, all right. Uh, what recently happened here? So you kind of watches like Clayton like shows where the trail is. And, um, you see like kind of a burst in the sand, uh, from where probably the hover bike, uh, kind of tilted its, its nose up. And you think that, um, for a little while they, uh, intentionally like kind of fishtailed the motorcycle to like, um, mess up the tracks. And for my last question, what is about to happen here? Uh, well, hopefully Clayton will be able to pick up the trail through other means, or you guys might have to set up camp and uh, and hope that uh, something changes from here. Or you could, you know, pick a random direction and see if you get lucky. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to use extreme range detect life. All right. Uh, so that is a mentalist stat. So go ahead and roll mentalist. And what is your highest? 11. How many net hits over a 10? Just one. I'm going to spend some grit to twist the knife. Okay, giving yourself an extra success uh, for two successes, which lets you uh, get a general list of the type of life forms within extreme range and their direction from you as a short-lived effect, which is a handful of minutes. So you know uh, within extreme range, uh, there's maybe three wassets uh, <laughs> scattered around in the salt flats, but you do detect a few uh, human life forms besides just your party members, all of which are concentrated in a direction to the Southwest. Uh, and you guys watch as uh, Clayton sits there and then closes his eyes. And while his eyes are closed, you see almost glowing through his eyelids, that glowing luminescent energy, which then begins to slowly spread through the veins around his eyes. And he opens them and they're like, they glow the brightest you've seen them grow before as he begins using up a significant amount of his shine to extend the range of this power to extreme range. I point and say, they're that away. And his hand or his arm uh, kind of almost looks like it's lifted by like a glowy energy and he points. And uh, as he speaks, like wispy golden light kind of like comes out of the corners of his eyes as he says, they're that way. And then uh, the, the like kind of energy storm around his face and his, and his uh, arms like kind of lessens, but that glow in the, in the pupil of his eye kind of remains as he looks in that direction. There's something you don't see every day. All right, let's get back to tracking. 
And uh, you all hop back on your uh, on your mounts, uh, two to the motorcycle, two to the Ache, and you start heading in that direction. After uh, about you know eight or nine minutes, that light kind of fades from your pupils, uh, Clayton, and you lose that like kind of consistent readout of like the life forms around you. But lucky for you, the salt flats don't have a lot of twists and turns to get lost. So just riding in that direction, you feel like probably will get you to about where you need to be. And as you get about three quarters of the way down the the distance that you were kind of sensing from initially, Clayton, so you know you got to be getting close. There is one unique feature added to the terrain off in the distance, uh, the, almost exactly the direction you're, you're going. Uh, there is a large grayish white boulder, uh, in the middle of the salt flats. Are there many of these throughout the salt flats? You saw like occasional ones. This one's a li- uh, definitely like the biggest one you've seen thus far. And, you know, there's sometimes there's like some breakups in the, uh, in the like spanning completely flat white landscape of the salt flats. Um, rocks here and there, sometimes large salt buildups that like take the shape of like stony rocks. Um, this one stands out a little bit though. Juliet, you've dealt with these proto-martyrs. Think they'd have a secret entrance maybe in something like that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I never saw one, but they uh, had to hole up somewhere before the uh, before they came out in mass. so a secret hideaway doesn't seem out of the ordinary at all, especially if they can hide it with tech which was kind of their, like, hallmark. What do you say we go check this out? They're the experts. Yeah, I mean, if you can use your cheating powers to sense that there's folks in about that far away in that direction where the rock is, it does make a big rock seem a might bit conspicuous. <laughs> Let's approach this rock. Okay, you approach, you kind of give it a once-over, circle around it. It doesn't look like there's anything out of the ordinary, um, and then as soon as one of you tries to touch it, your hand goes through it. Now that ain't a normal rock thing, right? I don't spend a lot of time outdoors, but like, seems weird. Uh, and as, uh, as Roy's <laughs> hand kind of passes through it, you see like, there's kind of this like digital, like ripple of like teal and blue energy around his wrist, kind of like disrupting the image of this rock. That's a fairly sophisticated hologram. His protomartyrs mean business. I'll, uh, just sort of stick my head in as I don't think that's any more conspicuous than my hand and provides a lot more information. <laughs> <laughs> you guys watch as Roy kind of leans in, you know, shoulder deep into the uh, hologram and uh, Roy, you see, you can see your friends like through this uh, fake image of a rock from, from the inside perspective, you can see like the faint outline of this rock, like around you kind of like rippling with like teal energy, but it is, uh, mostly, uh, transparent and you can see the area around and, uh, in the ground right there is a hatch, uh, very, very sturdy, high tech looking, uh, hatch, uh, built into the floor of the salt flats here. Yeah. There's a big old sturdy hatch here, sort of built into the ground of the salt flats. Seems like maybe a bunker or, yeah, just kind of seems like a bunker. Don't seem like nothing else. <laughs> well, I do think that's what we're looking for. Uh, does this look too high tech for my sort of mundane lock picking skills? Yes, absolutely. You wouldn't even know where to point the auto picker. I mean, the only thing I got is hit it with a big old rock. Giles, you want to take a look at this hatch? <laughs> And the only rock for miles is a hologram, so. (laughs) It's not a bad idea. We could knock. We ain't knocking. (laughs) Unless it's with explosives. Then we might knock, but like. I'm sorry. I thought I was more transparent. That is what I meant. If we can go in without them knowing that we're here, it ain't a bad idea. But like, I have a suspicion that your friend ordered explosive charges that exploded things like doors in the ground uh for a reason but uh if you can open this uh and it we can take a couple of them by surprise i think that's the uh the operating procedure that's uh gonna best suit us living through this yeah security's not exactly my speciality but i'll take a look like 
Okay. Uh, so Giles pulls out his Omni tool, switching it around into sort of an analysis configuration where he can kind of spread it open and like kind of scan the door and look at like its different components. Giles, you are from Ion Harbor, which is uh, the most technologically advanced factory town on all of Manifest. Even those who live in the lowest in the lowest brackets of income still have some decent tech at their disposal. This tech is not quite beyond you, but is immaculately designed with materials and knowledge that you think is beyond anything anyone in Ion Harbor could craft. Um, and actually, as you're scanning it, before you get around to trying to figure out how you can open it, uh, I'd like you to roll a lore test for me. Two successes. You've not seen something like this before, but you have heard of this, and it kind of like rings a bell uh, with what you've heard about the proto-martyrs. I mean, you know, the proto-martyr crisis didn't affect you a whole lot being, you know, from Ion Harbor, which is a decent ways away from the edge of the Badlands. But even even with that, you've you've heard of libraries around Manifest. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, while the factory wars were waging, information and knowledge was being lost uh, at an alarming rate, uh, as those who were vying for power were only concerned about resources and supplies and not retaining, uh, data or even texts. So a coalition of librarians was formed who began trying to preserve and protect information and knowledge. And it didn't take very long into the factory wars for that kind of altruistic, intention to be corrupted and as the governors of the factory towns fought over minerals money weaponry and support uh, the librarians found that having intricate technological and historical knowledge from the old world was in and of itself its own resource and they began to hide this information and protect it all around manifest in various facilities and once the factory wars had settled, the libraries began to uh, accumulate influence around the world by offering solutions to problems that only they had the answer to, what with their expansive uh, databases and forgotten knowledge. And it rings true to you that this might be a library or possibly a library depot, which is a little bit smaller. Usually libraries are, are, have been reported to be large hidden complexes. There's no telling until you get inside whether this is a fully fledged true library or just a depot, which is like a small like supply area or uh, or data cache. But you do know that the proto-martyr movement began in a library that then fell to them before they had ever reached the surface to plague the Badlands. And judging by the level of this technology, you're pretty sure this is librarian tech. Wait, wait. Maybe this isn't just a bunker. It's uh appears to be librarian tech y'all know the old stories no <laughs> i mean sure everyone's heard of a library but why don't you tell clayton so he knows <laughs> i recount the lore yeah i heard those rumors too back in the day where they where it was in fact uh that they were basing themselves out of like library annexes and and also uh just like using tech that nobody'd ever seen before it makes sense this this could be that. Absolutely. So what you're saying is you can't open the door? <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to try and open the door, uh, you can roll technology, but it will be at a minus eight. All right, worth a shot. Three successes. Giles begins scanning the uh, the components of this hatch. It doesn't seem to have any discernible interface. Uh, that you can see no handle, no keypad, nothing, not even a panel that you can open up. And he scans around with the Omni tool a little bit. And then he, he kind of closes it and thinks for a minute, uh, and like looks at like the logs on his Omni tool and, and then like begins charting some, uh, doing some math, uh, on like, uh, on like a digital sketch pad. And after a little bit of like contemplating it, Giles, you're pretty sure that this door requires a key, but not a key in the traditional sense, more like a device that sets out a, sets out a specific type of radiation at a specific frequency. And you're pretty sure, given all the calculations that you just did with uh, three hits on your technology test, that you could recreate this key with a technology cube. Uh, just a moment. I need to make a key. And you consume a, a tech cube in order to make it? 
Yes. Uh, and so uh, he pulls out some wires and some circuits and some and configures his Omni tool into uh, into the electronic setting so he can start like building a device. And in a, in a matter of a few seconds, he's created uh, he's created a kind of palm sized device with a with a button, which when he presses it, you hear kachuk, 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 and the hatch on the floor creaks upwards and stands vertical, revealing uh, a staircase going down. These dark metal stairs leading down into uh, into a subterranean uh, facility of some kind with dim white track lights along the wall illuminating it. Can I disable the door not to close the hatch? Yeah, with, with three hits on your previous tech, uh, you can now, with the underside of the door um, visible to you, you can easily, uh, you, you understand the workings of this door well enough uh, to disable like the, uh, the hydraulics so that it can't shut. Great, let's get a little air in here, why don't we? I will uh, lead the way down into this bunker filled with power-armored fanatics. I'll go ahead and use moderate range to detect life. All right. Uh, you guys see as that light returns to Clayton's eye as he begins to reach out, uh, expending some more of his shine uh, to hopefully detect what lies beneath. Uh, how many How many net successes over seven? Uh, I'm going to twist the knife twice for a total of three net successes. Okay. Uh, that will give you a general list of the life forms within moderate range and their direction from you as a long-lasting effect. Um, down a ways, uh, you, you presume this stairwell levels out judging by the angle at which you sense three humans and then beyond them, you sense, uh, four more humans, uh, a little ways away, just on the edge of moderate range where you are right now. I pass on this info. Uh, and as you guys, uh, continue down, uh, I assume you are doing so as stealthily as possible, so I'm going to need everyone to roll a sneaking check. I get all glowy as I use live. Digging deep into the reservoir of his shine, uh, Clayton, uh, you see that electric storm kind of moving through uh, up and down Clayton's neck um, as he uh, enhances his reflexes. How many hits did you get on that, Clayton? Four successes. Plus three to all finesse kills for a long time. All right. My highest is a nine. My highest is an 11. 12. My high is a 13. I appear to have dropped my cane on the stairs. Terribly sorry. Uh, nothing below my threshold. So no successes is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Okay, so the four of you make your way down those stairs. It does, in fact, level out at a certain point, like Clayton thought. And um, as it does, Roy, you see the hallway continues a little ways before opening up into, into kind of a pentagonal chamber where uh, you see some movement. You see some proto-martyrs uh, moving around. They're talking about uh, something. Uh, one of them points at like a, uh, a terminal nearby and the other one goes over to check it out. And then uh, the other one is sitting at a, a centrally located table laying out playing cards uh, as if they're getting ready to like kind of sit down and play a, play a game of poker. And you continue on your way, uh, sneaking forward, Roy. Uh, right behind you is who? I think the order was Roy and then Clayton and then me and then Giles, if I'm correct. So Clayton, you kind of level out, uh, level out behind Roy. Uh, you see the proto-martyrs. They uh, finish looking at that terminal and they kind of uh, begin to all sit down at that table. Uh, Juliet, you kind of uh, you sat down on the final step and see this as well. And the three of you are in the hallway. And then Giles, uh, who's kind of holding his, uh, his very fancy uh, walking cane, uh, kind of like clutches it a little closer to his chest, uh, but then turns his uh, uh, turns his torso in a way that lets it clang up against one of the handrails, and it just like makes like the the dullest like little knock sound. But one of the proto martyrs at the table raises his head, and his hand kind of instinctually goes towards his helmet, and he looks down the hallway, and he goes, "Hang on a second, what was that?" I will knock a blinding arrow and fire it right at that guy. All right. That man has a minus 20 to all tests that require him to see anything. 
So out of the kind of dimly lit dark corridor that this man is kind of looking at as he kind of like turns and perches up in his chair, an arrow shaft comes flying out, uh, bursting a bright white light and uh, and uh, powder into his into his eyes and face. He lets out a shout as he is completely fucking blinded <laughs> and like stumbles back and falls out of his chair. And the other two uh, jump up, reaching for their guns and slamming their, their helmets on their head. And I need everyone to roll initiative. Uh, as you guys have um, surprised them, uh, you can have a plus two to your initiative. Did anyone get uh, a six or better? I did. I got a 10. Wow. I got a seven. <laughs> Six like a uh, seven. Juliet, you are up first. Okay, so I have loaded my guns with um, hollow point ammo, and uh, I will shoot one of the non-blinded individuals. Yep, they both stand up, each of them like reaching for a light firearm on their hip and a uh, some kind of melee weapon on their back. M- my high is a 15. My high is a six. Oh, all right. Uh, I have three net hits, which is 18 damage. No piercing. Juliet, as soon as that one gets blinded and kind of falls over uh, under the table, uh, the others stand up, kicking back their, their stools and reaching for their weapons. You don't miss a beat. You draw up one of your uh, one of your pistols and uh, let a shot go through and it gets right into the neck of the proto-martyr and he stumbles for a bit slumping over the table uh, before his armor starts glowing red and going and it explodes covering that room with fire and shrapnel you guys actually feel the heat kind of waft down the hall, uh, buffeting you. Uh, and the smoke clears, and you see the other proto-martyr still moving forward, uh, completely unfazed, embers falling off of his armor as he continues drawing his weapon and advancing on you. Uh, and, like, for a moment, it's like you're back at the Siege of San Cordero. I will pull the trigger on the other one as well. Uh, my high is an, is an eight. I'm going to spend uh, grit to play to the gallery. My highest is now a 16, which then explodes. So I have two net hits, uh, which is 12 damage. So you, uh, you hesitate just for a moment after the smoke clears before pulling your second trigger, and it shoots the faceplate off of this proto-martyr's armor, cutting into his face and blowing away uh, his ear. He lets out like a shout. He is definitely very injured and his armor has been compromised, but he is not dead yet. So would you say someone evil is shot dead? Oh, yes, definitely. And was justice served by the swiftest means possible? Uh, Yes, when you pulled the trigger and one of them died instantly, I'd say so. Uh, So that's XP for everybody. And Roy, it is your turn. Is there anywhere at all to hide that I can see? There's cover you can take. Uh, inside this hallway. It's got like some beams along the side, but there's not a whole lot of hiding to be done at this particular moment, uh, given that like you guys are kind of in a narrow corridor and have have made your presence known. If the fight were to spread out a little more, you might have places in which you could hide, but right now it's a little too, uh, too hyper-focused in your direction. All right, well, I will try and open up the terrain for hiding by shooting this fella whose faceplate got blown off. <laughs> okay. My highest is a nine. Uh, I, I miss. As my highest is a five. You had been warned that they were going to explode when they died. Yeah, but I ain't seen a lot of folks just explode. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> even even with like the warning, you just were like, man, and they were re- the other guys were really casual about it. So like you're a little shaken. You were uh, roughly three years old when the proto-martyrs first uh, rose to prominence and only five years old when the, uh, after they were defeated. Uh, so this is a this is like a new step for you and uh, you you kind of are, are just a little shaken and your aim is just a little off because of it and all you manage to do is uh, hit off the rest of that guy's uh, already blown, uh, half blown away armor. Just kind of chinks, the, the arrow just kind of chinks against it and it just kind of crumples off. Uh, and I will duck into some of that cover you previously mentioned in that in this hallway. Okay. Uh, Clayton, it is your turn. I'm going to full auto both of them. 
Uh, so the one that is blinded on the ground does not get to roll a defense test against you. And the one who has been shot by Juliet and shot at by Roy uh, rolls a seven high. <laughs> uh, both will take 18 damage with six armor piercing. Yeah, they're both dead from that. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, uh, Juliet lets out two shots. Roy uh, uh, looses an arrow, knocking off uh, the rest of the face plate, and then Clayton kind of steps in front of the group, dropping to a knee, so he has an angle on the one who fell underneath the table and the one who's approaching, and he lets out uh, uh, a burst of fire uh, spraying down the hallway, and he manages to uh, uh, to riddle them, uh, riddle the one on the ground with enough bullets to like pierce through his armor and kill him, uh, and uh, then he... he hits the other one clean in the forehead with one of his bullets uh, and he goes slumping down and there's only the briefest of pause before their armor starts uh, blinking with red lights going and uh, again you guys are hit with flame and heat as uh, as that room kind of spins around with fire and uh, the hot air is shoved out this shaft where you guys are and those three proto-martyrs are clear dead uh Giles, it looks like you might be getting your money's worth. Well done, that's. As Giles uh, congratulates you, a large blast door taking up the almost the entirety of the wall on the other side of the chamber you've been shooting into slides open, and four more proto-martyrs step uh, into view, uh, rushing at the sound of explosions. Uh, they rush in, and as they do, uh, alarms begin sounding. They take cover, uh, two of them taking cover behind the large table, another one taking cover behind uh, some some terminals, and uh, they are going to fire on you. Uh, two of them are sporting uh, laser rifles. They are going to shoot at Clayton and Juliet. So I need dodge tests from both of you. Uh, my highest is a 12. 14. All right, the two or the two behind the uh, central table level laser rifles at you and fire two shots down, aiming for you two, but you both hug the walls and the shots zoom past you, uh, uh, hitting the the uh, hitting the stairwell behind you guys, causing sparks as they melt into the metal. Uh, and then the one uh, behind uh, the terminal will uh, level a pistol at you, Clayton, and take a shot. A 13. I will go ahead and spend some grit so you can get a point of grit back. Uh, and my highest is a 13 as well. Well, I play to the gallery and make that a 17. <laughs> so um, he levels a pistol at you. Uh, he takes uh, a couple shots and you uh, duck forward. And then right before he hits you again, you actually um, uh, kind of twist your body with supernatural speed given, uh, given your illuminated state uh, and uh, kind of corkscrew spin as the bullet whizzes right by your face. And then with his other hand, he will raise up a grenade, press a button on it, and throw it at the group of you. Uh, and I will need everybody to roll a uh, dodge test at a minus two. Maha is an 11. Maha is also an 11. A uh, 12. Eight. Clayton, how many net hits do you have over an 11? Two. So, Clayton, you managed to rush forward and kind of hit the deck. Again, kind of moving with that, uh, with that extremely uh, enhanced speed, avoiding the explosion. Uh, Juliet and Roy, you each will take six damage, four of which is piercing. And Giles, you will take eight damage, four of which is piercing. As the hallway explodes with electricity, raking through all of your bodies, the hallway itself uh, being metal, uh, adding to uh, the conductivity of the charge, um, you're all kind of shocked in that moment. Uh, and you will be suffering a minus one to all tests for the rest of this combat round as the electricity is coursing through your body, like making your muscles spasm. And uh, you will all lose one, one point of initiative. I'll take a class one injury instead. Okay, so instead of taking damage, roll a d20 and consult the class one injury chart. What do you get? Uh, 13, it's been a hard fall. I'm prone and cannot move next turn. 
so as the electricity comes towards you, Giles, it actually uh, hyper-focuses into your prosthetics, and uh, your leg gives out, uh, and you drop down to the ground uh, and land really hard, kind of winding yourself, uh, and you will be unable to move next turn. And the fourth proto-martyr, having waited for the grenade to go off, will ignite uh, an electrified sword and run forward, taking a shot at Clayton with his pistol. Well, let's get out of the way of that. I got a 13. Okay. Uh, Yeah, he manages to miss you again. You guys watch as Clayton, having dove in forward to avoid the electricity, kind of combat rolls as the bullet whizzes over his back and stands up. And the proto-martyr closes the gap and swings in an uh, upward arcing motion with this electrified uh, and serrated blade, uh, attempting to uh, to carve into you, Clayton. Well, before I use grit, my highest is nothing. Okay. Then, yeah, his highest is a seven. I'm going to play to the gallery for 13. You spend some more grit. As you finish your combat roll, standing up, he tries to swipe across your chest and you drop to your knees immediately, uh, kind of arching backwards uh, with the blade just barely missing your chin. Your freshly trimmed beard hairs uh, kind of go at end as the electricity just barely misses you. And uh, Giles, it is your turn. I'd like to take one of the breaching charges in my prosthetic arm and fire the grappling hook at my wrist to stick it to the table. (laughs) (laughs) Laying there injured, it is a tough shot, but not excessively hard given the fact that the table is not dodging. So uh, yeah, you pull out one of those breaching charges, clutch it in your mechanical arm, uh, waiting for your mechanical leg to come back online. And you reach out your arm and your hand shoots out on a grappling hook. And uh, instead of grabbing onto the table, plants the breaching charge on the um, on the table. Uh, you can activate it with a quick action, but uh, you'll have to wait till your next turn before you can detonate it. Yeah, I'll spend grit to double down and uh, use my next quick action, recheck the hand and detonate. All right, yep. Yeah. You pull the hand back. Uh, you can actually stand up and move now because uh, it is technically another turn for you. Uh, and you detonate the breaching charge. And that table that those two proto-martyrs are using for excellent cover just blows in. It was resistant to the explosives uh, around it, but a breaching charge is so much more focused, and it cuts through this thing, uh, uh, shattering it and sending uh, its pieces along the floor. Uh, The concussion uh, kind of knocking back and destabilizing the two proto-martyrs that were leaning against it for cover. I'll back up the stairs a bit. Uh, was that an unorthodox use of a grappling hook, might you say? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. That thing's supposed to help you move around, not help you deploy uh, explosives at long range. So that is an unorthodox use of that item, and everyone gets an XP. Juliet, you are up. It'll help here. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, though, uh, there are four of them, right? Uh, that is correct. Uh, two of which that are no longer behind any kind of cover. Uh, one that is behind the cover of some uh, electric or electronic terminals, and one that is right in Clayton's face, slashing at him with an electrified blade. I know from my previous experience that uh, talking to these fellas is um, much like talking to a wall. They're too dumb to understand what piece is. So um, I'm going to show them whatever last in pieces and uh, shoot the two recently freed from cover. So against the first one, my highest is a 10. Okay. Uh, that is three net hits. Uh, so that's 18 damage. Uh, yeah, that one gets blown away. You kind of stand up. You're like focusing as hard as you can through the like muscle spasms from the electricity kind of uh, coursing through you. And you uh, raise both guns up, and the right one fires first, and, and you manage to shoot a, uh, that protomartyr right in like a vital spot where the armor is is weak, and uh, he flies back, and then glows red and explodes. Uh, Clayton, I actually need you to roll a dodge test at a minus two. You're already on the edge of this explosion, so even if you fail this test, you're not going to be taking too much damage. My high is an eight. Uh, how many hits is that total? Three. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, Like I said, you're right on the edge of the explosion. Uh, You managed to position yourself in a way uh, as you're dodging to make it so that the shrapnel and heat hits the back of this proto-martyr who's attacking you, who doesn't even seem to notice it. 
Um, and uh, Juliet, you fire the second trigger. Uh, my high is a 12. Uh, so I'm going to spend grit to go it strong so I can count my regular target of 15. And then I'm and then I'm going to play to the gallery to count my two 16s. <laughs> right. So how much damage is that over my defense roll of a 12? 18 damage. You fired uh, your second shot and the second and the proto-martyr on the left goes down as well. He drops down and again, the room is briefly obscured by the explosion and uh, really quick Clayton, I just need you to roll one more dodge test to avoid the shrapnel at a minus two. One hit. Okay. You take two damage uh, straight to hit points. Um, I'd like to duck into some cover that's, you know, even just a modicum would be real nice. Uh, I don't I don't know if I have to run up onto the other side of the terminal where the proto-martyr's hiding. I'll do that or tuck into the hallway. Something. Uh, yeah, it's which one do you want to do? Do you want to run into the uh, room or, or stay in the hallway with the rest of the team? I will head on into the room. Okay. Uh, there are other terminals here for which you can use cover. Uh, so yeah, you can duck behind it. You don't even have to be like on the other side of cover from one of the proto-martyrs. You kind of duck past Clayton and the proto-martyr that's attacking him. And uh, as you're like finishing up your second shot and then you dart to your left and you can slam uh, your back against uh, one of the terminals there. And Clayton, it is your turn. All right. I'm going to shoot the one in melee with me and then the other one using full auto on my rifle. Okay, uh, so you will have a minus one uh, because you are shooting at someone who is engaging you in, in melee combat. And then also the one who's a distance away from you is uh, behind moderate cover, so you're going to have an additional minus two uh, for including him in the attack. So a total of minus three. High 14. Uh, so the one directly in front of you rolled a poultry three high, and the one behind <laughs> cover rolled a modest nine high. They both take 18 uh, six armor piercing. Uh, so the one behind the cover, you kind of start aiming with him like you're dodging and you start the burst with him and you spray it across his cover. Uh, you clip him uh, in the head, blowing away his helmet and part of his head as he stumbles back, falls down behind the cover and explodes. And then you step back uh, pulling, uh, holding down the trigger, shooting directly at the person in front of you. You pelt his armor, putting plenty of holes in it, uh, and and blood shoots out uh, as he stumbles back, kind of like knocked back by the blow of, of your shots. But uh, you didn't quite hit anything super vital, and he kind of presses through the pain, uh, continuing his attack on you. And I also want to try to get some distance between me and him. Yeah, as you're shooting him and he's kind of like being knocked back by the blow of the of the attack, uh, you can uh, retreat to somewhere. Where do you want to go? Back down the hallway or somewhere else in the room? Back down the hallway, because once he gets finished off, I'm not going to be anywhere near him. Okay. Roy, it is your turn. Now. None of these proto-martyrs have targeted me directly. Perhaps are they unaware of my presence because of my clever use of cover during the time when they couldn't see me? Yeah, these guys weren't um, around when you initiated the combat, so there is a chance that maybe they don't they didn't notice you and they think that only Clayton and Giles are down the hallway. So go ahead and roll a sneak test. Um, this will be at a minus two, given the fact that the fight is still very centrally focused around you. But you did manage to take cover before these guys showed up, so there's a there's a chance. Their high is a ten. I got three net hits over a ten. Judging by the way they've been uh, they've been engaging with your teammates, you think that you might uh, be able to surprise them if you pop out and shoot an arrow right now. Uh, yeah, I will shoot this last fella with uh, my bow, and hopefully he just dies. I'm using electrified ammo, because fuck that guy. Well, on account of him not knowing I'm there, uh, these two hits just turn into ten damage with four piercing. Uh, yeah, as he stumbles back, clutching the wounds from, uh, uh, from Clayton's shot, and Clayton retreats with uh, illuminated speed. This proto-martyr kind of pushes up off of his buckled knee and is about to be, uh, begin moving forward. And then you just lean out and fire a clean uh, arrow shot right into one of Clayton's bullet holes. Uh, and you see as the proto-martyr jolts around with the uh, electricity, 
um, and then drops down to the ground. And uh, uh, Clayton, you manage to get just far enough away before he explodes. Uh, Juliet, I will need you to roll a dodge test. It's at a minus two, but you are behind uh, cover, so that kind of cancels it out. So just roll a straight up dodge test. Five hits with a 14 high. Uh, yeah, you just hug your cover and the fire and shrapnel uh, blows on either side of you as you begin reloading your guns. Uh, and for a moment, we drop out of initiative. The alarms are still sounding, but uh, proto-martyrs are not pouring into this uh, into this initial chamber. Um, you do see through the doors that they came through, there is a hallway with a normal-sized door to the left and a normal-sized door to the right, and then a very large, similarly, like almost taking up the whole panel of a wall uh, blast door, uh, probably segmenting that hallway, uh, perhaps as a security measure. Hey, Mr. Farthing? Yes. You okay? Oh, just a hard fall. I'll be all right. Did my detect life pick up any uh, proto-martyrs heading this way? You do detect more life. You detect four more humanoids beyond that large uh, blast door. Uh, they're moving a little bit side to side, but they actually, um, if this is in fact a, seg- uh, a hallway segmented by a blast door, they are not leaving that hallway. You don't know if they're getting closer or further, but you know, waiting a few seconds, they don't appear and they don't leave the range of your, of your detect life. So there's a pretty good chance that they're just waiting on the other side. Hard to say though. Before we uh, move further into this proto-martyr bunker, I'd like to use my once a day endure test to heal some of these hit points that I got electrified out of me. Yeah. Go ahead and roll endure. May I do the same? Absolutely. There's a few more on the other side of that door, but they seem to be hanging out for now. Probably waiting on us to get through. All right. Let's see if we can't uh, bring the party to them then. Uh, Mr. Farthen, um, I don't know computers at all. Can you use these computers to uh, get a layout of this here library? Maybe we could sneak around, shoot them in the back of the head. They never know we're there. I mean, is there anything left of the terminal? Yeah, uh, it seems like much like proto-martyr armor, uh, this facility seems rather resistant to small explosions and other things like that. Um, so the terminals, while maybe a little scorched looking, are still functional. Yeah, happy to take a look. Might also find a uh, sort of a power center. I'm thinking that's the best place for these chargers if we can get there. Uh, yeah, go ahead and um, roll a technology test. This is still pretty advanced technology, uh, just slightly beyond the the best facilities of Ion Harbor. Um, so uh, even with your extensive experience, uh, this will be a, techno- uh, a technology roll at a minus two. I'm going to play to the gallery for two explosions. Six successes. <laughs> Uh, so Giles, you walk over to, uh, the like bank of terminals and you find the primary one and, uh, it takes you a little bit to access it. And then, uh, a little hollow screen pops up in front of you and, uh, forms into kind of a blueprint of this facility. This is most likely a librarian depot, judging by its size. Uh, these blueprints let you know that this depot is, uh, one floor um, and it effectively in its entirety, it's this small entrance chamber. Uh, and then that kind of wide, uh, hallway that is segmented by four sets of blast doors. Um, and that hallway, uh, each segment has two rooms, uh, attached to it, one on the left side and one on the right side. And then at the very end of the hallway, there is a much, much larger chamber. You manage to access the more detailed blueprints, which allow you to see like kind of the, the logged purpose for these rooms. There's just the entrance chamber here. And then the first segment of the hallway, which you currently have access to the door to the left leads to the barracks and the door to the right leads to the mess hall. Uh, The second uh, segment is labeled uh, as data storage. The door to the left uh, in that hallway will lead to digital data storage, and the door to the right will lead to analog data storage. And then the third segment of the hallway is labeled as inventory storage, Uh, the left room being uh, designated as combat and the right being designated as domestic. 
you also managed to uh, uh, pull up some uh, some logs that were previously scrubbed from this terminal, but not so effectively that you can't piece them back together. What you can see is that this facility apparently is pretty slim on inventory. The logs you're looking at, or at least the bits of data you're able to recover, indicate that these proto-martyrs uh, located this depot a little while ago and began gutting it for supplies for something called Project Atlas. Uh, apparently when they didn't have enough supplies for their project, they designated most of the depot's inventory and data as non-essential for Project Atlas. And uh, apparently one of them projected that they could sell and or trade all those non-essential supplies and acquire what was needed for them to finish Project Atlas. Uh, with a little note that says, once Atlas is complete, we can finally end the war. Uh, the final chamber, the large, the large chamber at the end of this segmented hallway is over 500 feet tall and wide, uh, and it is labeled as engineering. Uh, you also managed to pull up, uh, access codes for all of the doorways in this facility. Uh, engineering straight ahead at the end, but it's a rather large room and there's some rather shady stuff going on. Anyone heard of a Project Atlas? Yeah, Project Atlas doesn't ring a bell to any of you. It's probably contained to this particular remnant of proto-martyrs. Right, well, we'll ask Pepe after we blow it up. What's the air duct situation like in this library facility? Not large enough for a person to go through. <laughs> what about a part of a person? Uh, your hand drone could move through the ventilation in this facility. About how far did you say you could feel those life forces? Knowing how many rooms we have ahead of us. Uh, judging judging by his range, it would seem like he could probably detect uh, just a couple feet past the second uh, segment of this hallway from where you guys are standing. Just to be clear, there is a locked blast door behind which there are at least four proto-martyrs or people of some kind. Is that correct? But uh, nothing's locked for us anymore. Can I suss out any way based on these schematics to... Uh come at these folks in the next few rooms from any angle other than front ways? I mean, I can at least send my hand to drop a charge behind him so their backs are turned when we open the door. That ain't a bad idea. I like that idea. <laughs> Let's do that idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all ready? Yeah, um, and I'll walk up to the other side of the door. Okay. As you approach the blast door, you can glimpse down into the barracks and the mess hall. They seem deserted. Um, the barracks has a few cots, but it actually seems like it was originally designed to house a lot larger numbers than this proto-martyr remnant has. Uh, and it seems like they stripped all of the supplies there and only left a handful of beds left. Uh, and then to your right, you see the mess hall. Again, very heavily stripped. It almost looks like an abandoned facility uh, by how like only a couple tables remain in there. And you stand on the other side of that door. Uh, as you guys are getting prepared, uh, Clayton, you feel one of those um, four life forms on the other side of this door move out of your range. And uh, as you move up to stand next to Juliet, you kind of your range extends far enough to uh, to cover both the 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 next segment of this hallway and the following one. And you detect uh, one uh, life form that moved away. And a second one. So in total, uh, you, judging by the range of your power, you would you would say this next segment that you're facing has three people waiting for you, and then the one after that has two people. Except for uh, in the time it takes Giles to detach his hand and get ready for his plan, again one life form steps out of range. So, uh, Giles, uh, uh, what are you doing with your uh, hand drone? I think I'd like to detach it with the grappling hook still attached, just for retraction. Give it one of the incendiary charges and send it through the ducts to drop it uh, as far away from us, but in the next room as possible. You guys watch as uh, Giles kind of turns his hand and removes it from his arm. Uh, uh, has it kind of clutched like a, an incendiary grenade with a couple fingers and then crawl into the ventilation shaft with its, with its other fingers. And it begins moving through. Giles, uh, you actually can see what it sees as it moves through this ventilation shaft. Uh, you have about 50 feet of cable, so you have enough to get to, like, one of the little vent shafts. And um, I'm going to need you to roll a uh, a driving test to operate this thing and kind of have it uh, push open the vent and huck a grenade. 
Um, it will be a driving test at a minus two, though, because you are remotely operating this thing. One success. And what is your highest? Two. So your hand drone moves into position. You can actually peek through the vent. You see three proto-martyrs standing there. Uh, one with, uh, with a large, uh, heavy machine gun kind of at its waist. And two of them uh, kind of standing on either side of them with heavily modified um, high-tech looking shields on one arm. And kind of this, uh, these like almost glaive-like staff weapons uh, in their other arm. And uh, your little drone uh, puts its fingers against the vent and pushes it open and then flicks the grenade out. Um, and they don't see it coming. Uh, so it blows up right on them. Uh, it seems their, their armor is relative res- relatively resistant to that type of damage. But uh, it does, uh, given the fact that they didn't even have time to like really take any cover or jump out of the way, they are like right at the epicenter. And they do take a little bit of damage, I assume, as you open up the, the blast doors. Yes, I, I drop it, I flip them off, I retract my hand, and I open the blast doors. <laughs> uh, the hand begins zooming back through the vent as the blast doors open up. Uh, Clayton and Juliet and Roy all at the ready. All of you can make an attack as they are completely surprised with the explosion that has uh, landed right on them. And I'm targeting all of them. Okay. I am similarly targeting all of them with uh, my repeater. With uh, electrified arrows. Okay. Uh, I will shoot at the heavy weapons proto-martyr with bow shots. Okay. We'll start with Clayton. Clayton, what was your highest? 17. Well, the one on the left got a five. The one in the middle got an eight. And the one on the right also got a five. Well, that is 18 damage, six armor piercing on all of them. All right. Uh, Clayton begins opening fire. Uh, all three of these proto-martyrs have much heavier uh, power armor than the ones you had faced so far, um, uh, including the the fact that uh, two of them uh, have these smooth circular shields. And uh, while they are kind of stumbling from the explosion that has hit them, the bullets from Clayton begin to uh, spark and pepper off their armor, uh, uh, hitting them and driving them back. And then Roy lets loose a, a string of arrows. And Roy, what was your highest? My highest is an eight. Okay. Uh, so Roy, uh, uh, stumbling back from, uh, Clayton's suppressive fire, um, uh, the one on the left and the one in the middle managed to like regain their footing in time, uh, to avoid your, uh, two of your shots. Uh, you let loose a barrage of bolts, uh, the one on the left pulls up her shield and it uh, ricochets off. The one in the center manages to turn manages to turn his shoulder plate so it splinters against it. Uh, and the one on the right uh, got a five. Uh, that's nine damage, four of which is piercing, and also that arrow was electric. Uh, so he doesn't manage to get his shield up in time, uh, and your arrow uh, sinks into his uh, his lower abdomen. Uh, and, uh, begins to electrocute him and he lets out a shout and like drops down to one knee. And, uh, Juliet, you said you were focusing both your shots against the center, uh, proto-martyr with the heavy machine gun. Yes, I did. And what was your highest? My highest on the first shot was 11. Uh, so he got a high of seven. Uh, so that's three net hits, uh, which is 18 damage, no armor piercing. So you fire the first shot intending to take a second shot at him, but your shot, he open, he's opened up by the suppressive fire and uh, dodging Clayton's shot that, uh, in a way that allows you to shoot through his neck and uh, your bullet actually sparks against the blast door behind him. And uh, he careens back, flopping onto the ground. And, and uh, uh, there's a brief moment before he <laughs> explodes. Uh, engulfing his friends in, in flame, but they are too busy being shot at by your teammates to really, uh, really react to that. And you actually can shoot either the one on the left or the one on the right with your other attack. Which one is the one not on his knee? The one on the left. Well, that's my offhand anyway. Uh, so I will, uh, shoot the one on the left with my offhand. Her high is also a five. (laughs) Okay. That'll be 18 damage as well. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so you shoot the one, uh, you shoot the center one, he falls down. You just kind of tilt your, uh, left arm just slightly, uh, to take a shot at 
the one to the left and she can't get her shield up in time. Uh, you shoot straight through her skull and she was jumping to the left to try and get into some kind of better cover and you just blow her head off and she drops down and explodes. Really quick, the one that Roy shot is on his last leg. Uh, so really quick, let's just throw our initiative dice and see if uh, he has a chance to attack you guys at all before you light him up. Uh, so his initiative is six. My initiative is eight. Also eight. I did not beat six. I have a six. So Roy, you're not completely used to uh, using this repeater hand crossbow and you're you're kind of uh, uh, trying to load in the next bolts. And before you have a chance to really do anything, Clayton and Juliet just continue fire. And uh, this proto-martyr uh, who's rushing towards you uh, presses a button on his glaive, lighting up the blade of it. Uh, not with electricity, but with pure energy as, uh, as it has an energy coil built into it. And you get just the briefest glimpse of that energy before, uh, he is shot dead, falls to the ground and explodes before he can even get close enough for the explosion to be of any danger to the four of you. You know, I knew this thing was only for fancy parties where people check you for guns. And I thought there's three of them. It shoots a lot of bolts. Surely this is the right situation. I guess fuck me, right? As I put it back into my holster, collapsing it. No, Roy, you did real good. And there's two more rooms left to go. Yeah, you guys move up into the second segment, the one that's uh, labeled data storage. And to your left, the room that is supposed to be digital data uh, is just jumbles of wires. It looks like that uh, those terminals have been completely repurposed. And to your right, the analog storage, just empty, dusty shelves. And as you guys are getting ready to uh, continue advancing, uh, you hear a hissing sound as the next set of blast doors begins to open on their own. And standing across from you guys uh, in front of the final set of blast doors, you can recognize him by the pistols on his hip. Uh, it is the proto-martyr you know to be named AJ. And, uh, and he stands there alone, blocking your path. The decompression of his chamber, making his proto-martyr tabard uh, built into his armor uh, kind of flow in the wind. And he stands there, uh, arms ready at his laser pistols, staring you guys down. And that's where we'll end this session. Oh, shit. Quick draw, quick draw, quick draw, quick draw. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions, all rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is affiliated with and specifically approved by Tommy Cotton. Manifest, the RPG, is property of Tommy Cotton, all rights reserved. For more information, go to www.manifesttherpg.com.